Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'm on a journey of discovering what loving oneself actually looks like. I want to invite you into my process, hear some of my crazy stories, as well as hear some amazing people with wisdom and insight give their take on what it looks like to love yourself well, and in turn, be able to love people well too. Come on, let's go. Well, hey there again, everybody. Thanks for following along on this journey so far of all of my crazy stories about dating and about experiences that I've had, uh, but also the past two episodes have been about different loves that I've experienced over my life in relationship, one being kind of this crush that lasted way too long that didn't work out in the end for me. And the second being an actual relationship I was in for six years uh, that also <laughs> didn't end well and didn't end for me, um, but am to this day very grateful for uh, for having it, but also that it also didn't work out. Probably ending that relationship was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole life. Um, so join me today as I talk about another love of my life which was in the form of a friendship. So I've called this episode My Carson because that is what I call him, (laughs) My Carson. He is a friend of mine that holds a special place in my heart. So the story that I'm going to talk about today is about a guy named Carson that I met while I was in mortuary school uh, to learn and to become a mortician and Carson is from Michigan and he is someone that clicked right away with me. I think we were uh, fairly new in the school and he thought I was hilarious, (laughs) which is always um, a win for me. (laughs) That's my, that's my uh, stipulation as if you want to be friends with me, you got to think I'm funny. (laughs) That's about it. I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, Carson and I became friends studying. We became friends studying for uh, classes and the uh, curriculum that is required in mass amounts to take in to study mortuary school. So I went to this school called Warsham College of Mortuary Science in Wheeling, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. And it is a fast track program to a mortuary science degree or you know, um, and we took in mass amounts. I think it was like 19 credits a semester. And I believe full-time school, I think it's 12 credits a, a semester, I believe. So we were taking like 19 credits a semester in mass amounts, receiving information in large quantities. It was like, you know, like you're standing in front of a fire hose receiving information that was pretty detailed. So all, of course, anatomy and um, physiology. And there was also uh, arts of it. So we had to learn like rules and regulations and accounting and a mortuary law. There was psychology involved. Uh, you name it. We had to learn postmortem diseases called thatnology. We had so much that we had to learn in mass amounts. Um, there was lots of studying involved. You had to be diligent in learning. You had to be diligent in going over your uh, studies. So all of that information intake, you also had to consistently go over, which I was a pretty good student in high school. And even in like my gen eds in like 
courses that I took in college to be able to get into this program, I can kind of retain information well, especially if I'm really interested in it. I didn't have to put too much studying into things. I could kind of absorb it, read over it a few times, kind of mull over it, and then be able to sit down and take a pretty good pretty good test. I would get pretty good scores. This was a whole different ballgame. You had to be on task with everything that you were doing and everyone felt the stress of it. So it was always like 10 classes a semester. That's right. 10 classes a semester. And what we would do at the end of each quarter, we would have to do finals and take these finals tests. So over 10 finals in one week, we would take two finals a day at the end of each quarter. So what we would do is we would all huddle together in groups. We would study for finals, take them on a Monday. The next two days, you know, the next day, whatever the two finals were, we would study for them all night, go take the finals, know what was coming the next day, study for those two finals and so on and so forth. And we were just crazy studying fiends. And Carson uh, moved to the Chicagoland area from Michigan to attend the Warsham College of Mortuary Science. As silly as this sounds, Warsham College of Mortuary Science is known as the Cadillac of Mortuary Schools. Which <laughs> is like the stupidest thing I've ever said. But that is what they say. Like that is what they pride themselves on. Now that I recite that, it's the dumbest thing in the world. But it's world renowned. It's known across the United States. Um, there was many times working for funeral homes that they saw that I graduated from Warsham and everybody was like, whoa, we have a Warsham grad. Whoa. You know, like it was something big, but really it was they were 35 minutes from my house. <laughs> That's why I went to the Warsham College of Mortuary Science. So Carson and I became study buddies. I promised him that I would tell this part of the story well, because I think it's one of his favorite things. But we all decided to congregate at Carson's apartment. And Carson got this deal with a funeral home where he lived in an apartment above the funeral home and worked for them to A, gain experience, B, have a place to live affordably, as well as have a job while he was going through school. Um, So we would all pile in his little apartment and study together in groups of five or six of us. And I can remember getting so frustrated with him because he could not understand how the heart worked. (laughs) And I was getting so annoyed that we were having to keep repeating and going over and over and over and over again the process of hearts pumping blood, clean blood into dirty blood and so on and so forth. And the process that your body takes, which is amazing, by the way, what your body does to filter heart carrying oxygen versus oxygen, oxygen deficient blood. So he just was like, again, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And so for hours, we talked about this process of the heart. I can remember being so frustrated with this guy and he was really good looking. And I always had this like, I think, judgment against really good looking young men who obviously he, you know, I think his his parents did okay. So he kind of had a privileged life. He, you know, his parents helped him financially take care of a lot of things. He didn't have to worry too much about that type of a thing. So I kind of, I think in my heart, I had this little judgment against him of like, you good looking guy who just had life handed to you. You don't know what this is about. And so anyway, I decided to call a break or one of us did during this anatomy studying about like the heart and all that stuff. And 
we decided we needed food. I think we had gone all day not eating. And um, my friend Allie, who is a genius, super smart, she ended up making the highest grades in the whole class, was in our study group. Thank God, by the way. Thank God, because she finally helped him get the whole heart thing. (laughs) But her and I decided we were going to volunteer to go pick up food from Jason's Deli. And um, so everybody put their orders in. And I think we sent the orders in already. And her and I were on our way to Jason's Deli to pick it up. And we were just laughing and talking. And we get in Jason's Deli. And they're about to close because we had studied for so many hours after. I think it was like almost 9 o'clock at night. And uh, the guy behind the counter was kind of cute. And he started to flirt with me. And one of the things that he said was, it's like, hey, I have that ice cream machine over there. If you want to, while you wait for me to prepare all this food, you can go make yourself an ice cream. Totally, you know, don't worry about it. Like, it's a little cute gift from me to you. So I was like, okay. I walked over and I made this huge, tall ice cream, like huge, tall ice cream. And my friend Allie was with me and she was like, I'm going to make ice cream too. Now, one thing about Allie that I love about her, but also was quite hysterical to me now in hindsight because it's created a lot of funny stories, is that uh, Allie kind of struggled with anxiety and um, being a little nervous and things like that. And she decided to self-medicate by smoking marijuana a lot. And so she would do that and then she would smoke marijuana and then study. I don't know how she did it, but she would then study and absorb all this information. And I think it was to calm her down, to calm her mind down. So she had been smoking weed and then, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's, it just stick with me. She had smoked weed. She was high. We went to go get this Jason's Deli and it's starting to kick in. So she's very like, whoa, like, wow, look at your ice cream. It's so big. So anyway, I made this huge ice cream. She made her ice cream. And she turned to look at me to ask me how my ice cream was. And I had eaten it all already. It was gone. (laughs) To which her response was like, holy cow, look, it was like literally, I don't know, 30 seconds in between the time I made it to the time I ate it. And I guess it was so I was so hungry that I ate it so quickly that even the guy behind the counter started to be like, God, I have never seen anybody eat that fast in my life. Like, holy cow. And he wouldn't stop harping on it. He just kept going and talking about how quickly I ate this ice cream. So in my mind, it's like, gosh, I'm the fat girl who ate ice cream really fast. And I'm here ordering all this food and I'm really embarrassed. So he makes all of our food. He hands me the bags of food, makes a comment again of like, man, you ate that ice cream so fast. And I just, it got me. It just, you know, when something tickles your funny bone, it just got me. And I had my wallet in my hand and I had all of these bags of food and I went to turn around to say something snarky. And when I did, my wallet ran across the wainscoting on the wall and made like this like noise and it sounded like a toot. And so this guy's face was shock and horror all over his face. And all I could think of was... He thinks I'm a pig, that I've eaten all of this ice cream. I've just ordered all of this food. And now I turn around and I fart really loudly in his store. And I didn't fart. It was just my wallet on the wainscoting. But his face was in so much shock and horror that I started to hysterically laugh. I mean, like, could not, you know, think of dead puppy. Like, nothing would make me stop laughing. 
And I had been so exhausted from a week of studying that I stood there and I laughed so hard that I peed my pants <laughs> in a Jason's deli in front of a guy who 15 minutes earlier thought I was cute and was trying to flirt with me. So in, you know, over the course of 20 minutes, I I ordered a bunch of food. I ate a ton of ice cream. He thinks I farted. And then I stood there and hysterically laughed and peed myself. Um, how do you come out of that? unscathed. I don't know. But I shuffled myself out of the Jason's Deli and made it back to Carson's apartment and told him the story. And he laughed so hard. Uh, His stomach hurt. He was doubled over. And he and I became friends that night because he did something so sweet. And he took my clothes and washed them for me and gave me his clothes to wear. Which, by the way, is a joke because Carson's very tall and slender and his basketball shorts looked like biker shorts on me. So it was a humbling night for Bethany and the beginning of a friendship that to this day will be marked forever in my life. So we became friends over that instantly. And through the course of school, he and I just grew closer and closer and closer and closer. Um, I know he was having some troubles at home. Uh, his mom and dad were kind of going through a very rough patch in their marriage and separated and working on a divorce. And he leaned heavily on me to just give advice and be a friend. Um, we celebrated one another. We encouraged one another. We graduated together. We took our boards and passed together. We did so many milestones together as friends. And it grew this inseparable bond. And also, I realized that I had a massive crush on this guy who was my friend who saw me at my very worst. I mean, literally, we became friends because he had to wash my clothes because I peed my pants as an adult. (laughs) If you think about that, Um, we started to spend a lot of time together. Um, We started to do everything together. I think he would agree um, with me in saying that. I actually, let me just preface that I actually text him before doing this episode to ask permission to tell our story, um, to which he said, absolutely yes, and use my real name. So he wants everybody to know that this is, this is him. I'm talking about Carson. And so quickly I realized I was gaining like a love and an affection for this man. Like I, there was something about he and I that just kind of clashed and and collectively connected on a deep, deep, deep friendship level. Um, it was a time when I wasn't really serving the Lord. So I had like walked away from the church. I had walked away from all of that. So I found myself in a lifestyle of just like partying a lot, which was fun at the time. Like I had never experienced that. I was being introduced into a whole entire world I had never experienced before. I'd never, ever uh, done that. And it started after graduation, just really, well, kind of before graduation. We uh, we went and tailgated a Northwestern game. We stayed overnight at our friend Will's family member's house in Winnetka, Illinois. Um, I have so many stories wrapped around Carson being there, convincing me. Well, actually, they'll say it's my idea to go skinny dipping in Lake Michigan. We scaled a private fence on private property in the middle of the night to go skinny dipping. And as I was undressing, 
you know, in my drunken little stupor, I heard cheering and whistling from a distance and turned around and the property that we had broken into was had this beautiful estate on it. And on the back of, of the estate were these like many level like decks on the back. And they were having a huge party. And there was about 50 or 60 people on this deck seeing me stark naked, <laughs> stripping on their beach and running into the water. And uh, Carson and I hysterically laughing and swimming and just I have just crazy stories involved around this guy and our friendship. And after school, and after we had graduated, um, I took an I- apprenticeship in uh, Washington, Illinois, which if you listen to previous episodes, I've talked about Washington before. It's where I started to go on a lot of dates. It's also where I experienced a living through a tornado. Um, we were separated for a bit. He came down to visit. I went up to visit. We stayed connected, stayed friends. Um, and after I left Washington, moved back to Chicago, we became even closer Um, and by the time that had happened and I moved back, I was just smitten with him. I was in love with Carson Gormley. And I told him, I made sure to, that he knew, I don't know if he knew what level of love I had felt for him, but I knew that I loved this guy. I don't even know that I knew what type of love it was. And he had me over for dinner one night and he sat me down and he was like, Bethany, I want to tell you something. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I just want to tell you um, I'm dating someone. And I was devastated. Like, what? Like, how could he be dating somebody and I not know about it? You know, we told one another everything. So let's backtrack a little bit. Um, Before this, I have some context to give of our friendship um, we had many run-ins. Now, I don't know if Carson will ever admit this or not, but we had many run-ins where there was a sense of almost. So there were many nights where he and I were out and about on the town in Chicago at a bar, slow dancing, and there was like an almost kiss. Or at his apartment, and there was a playful wrestling and an almost kiss. Or there was, we have all of these like, instances where there was an almost there was definitely something there I just didn't know what it was and it was enough to give me hope of like is this possible could this be um enough to keep me going enough to keep me connected keep me going and I found myself sitting in his apartment one night and he's telling me that he is in he's dating someone And so I kind of braced myself, but nothing would brace me for what he said. Nothing would have prepared me at all. And he looked at me and he said, I'm dating someone and his name is Connor. And I was like, "Okay, wow. And so I just excused myself to the bathroom. I kind of took a couple deep breaths and tried to gain control of my face and gain control of my emotions and took a couple deep breaths and said a prayer and went back out. And looked at him in the eyes and said, Carson, I love you. 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 And I just tried to reiterate as many times as I could that I loved him. Because I did. That's the truth of it. Little did I know what would take place for the both of us for the next two years after that. Um, 
And I became a trusted friend and I knew this part of his life that I didn't know, but no one else knew. Uh, His immediate, he told his twin brother, he told his mom and his dad and his other brother. And that was it. I was a part of this inner circle of a secret that um, I didn't know much about. I was raised by a pastor. I was raised in church. I had a different understanding of any type of lifestyle like that. And he told me, this is just something I'm trying out. I don't know if this is going to be permanent. I don't know what this is for me. I feel like right now I like both men and women and I just need a friend. You're the only one that I'm telling. Only my parents and my brothers know. And um, I just want you to know because I love you. And so I decided right then and there that my loyalty kicked in and that I was his partner in crime in this. I was a part of this now. And for the next course of the year, I became his fake girlfriend. (laughs) And every function we went to together, every I went to Michigan, we went to weddings together. Um, I met all of his high school friends from Michigan and they all thought we were dating and he didn't correct them and I didn't correct them. Um, I had some run-ins with some girls that had crushes on him that couldn't understand why we were together and I didn't correct them and he didn't correct them. And I found myself in this position of friendship that felt like it went beyond friendship, but was still friendship. And it was such an interesting place to be in because I would have literally given everything for him. We used to joke around like we can do this. Like we don't have to tell any, we don't have to give any explanation about our relationship to anybody. It is nobody's business. Like it makes sense to you and it makes sense to me. It's no one's business what we do and how we love one another was our like mantra to one another. We even joked that um, we could get married and run a funeral home together and have kids (laughs) and like live this life except this one tiny part of intimacy (laughs) and that I could have intimacy on my own with someone else and he could have intimacy on his own with someone else and we could get fulfilled in that area except everything else. We could love one another, be parents together, be business owners together, be husband and wife. Now, I know in hindsight, looking back, that's insane. That is an insane thought that is so beyond crazy. But in the middle of it, it was it was hitting everything that I needed because what I didn't realize was Carson was fulfilling something for me that I so very wanted. I wanted a relationship. I wanted a man to love me. I wanted someone to care for me, to show me attention, to um, to dote on me, to know me well, all of those things. And he did. And a lot of people don't know this, but we would go on, I mean, you wouldn't call, he and I wouldn't call them dates, but they were dates, you know? We would go out to dinner. He would buy dinner. We would, I remember one time we were in the suburbs. We were in Algonquin, Illinois. It was snowing and it was Valentine's Day. And guess who celebrated Valentine's Day together? Carson and I, we went out to dinner. We went walking in the snow. We stopped off at this little bar and it was empty because it was kind of snowstormy. 
and it was dark and they had twinkle lights on the inside. We were the only ones in the bar. And he went over to the jukebox and he put on our favorite Eagle song and we slow danced in the snow in a snowstorm under twinkle lights. Like, and he and I were just loving one another the way that we loved one another, not thinking twice about it. But on the outside looking in, it looks like it looks like we were in love with one another, if that makes sense. So it was very delusional. It was a, a very, um, it was a very deceptive relationship, not for us, but everyone looking at us. And at the time, we, we didn't care. We didn't care what anyone thought. Who cares? They don't know us. They don't know what we're doing. We're doing our own thing. We don't have to answer to anyone, which is true. But I think what happens is it set like a false sense of like intimacy. It like became enough, even though it wasn't enough. It became it will do, even though it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't it shouldn't be enough. It shouldn't be something I settle for. It shouldn't be, you know, and I actually started to date someone at the tail end of that relationship, which I'm going to talk about next week. Um the time I almost married the doctor, and I'll tell you is that one, but Carson, I think, got a little upset with me when I started to date this guy, and, you know, and so, and it was because we were fulfilling this thing in one another. He was giving me everything that I, like, so longed to have, and at the same time, I was giving him everything that he needed. I was being, like, a best friend and loving him unconditionally and giving him all of this stuff that, you know, his heart longed for. And he was giving that to me, except this one tiny little piece that we would go and get on our own. And then we spend all of our time together, you know, and it became normal. It became our like normal thing. And I I can remember him calling me one time and was like, hey, I sent you an email about uh, a color I want on my wall. And I was like, what? He was like, I'm getting this new apartment and I get to have an accent color I sent you an email with the list of colors. I need you to give me a color and text me back. Tell me what color I should do. And I was like, okay. And I wasn't thinking twice about it. And I was with another friend. And I was like, hold on. I have to pick out this color for Carson's accent wall. And I'll like, you know, just give me a second. And they literally looked at me like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm just picking out accent color, blah, blah, blah. And they just looked at me like, why are you doing that? I was like, oh, it's for his wall. I didn't even think twice about it. It's for his wall. They were like, right, it's for his wall. Like, let him pick his own color. And I was like, no, he wants, he's told me to pick it out. And they were like, why would you do this? And it like hit me like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. That's what we do. You know, that was my answer. That's what we do. That's who we are. And uh, I was offended that nobody got us. You know, I was offended that no one understood us, you know, like, you don't need to know us. You don't need you don't get what, how we are. And um, a lot of I'm not trying to discount the love and affection that he and I had for one another. Um, he's to this day a very good friend of mine. I love him and I miss him every day. But I will say the love that I have for him now is a lot different than the love that I had for him, for sure. And um, I can remember another time where he took me to go see Bob Seger. <laughs> I think it was Bob Seger. Bob Seger's from Michigan. Yeah. Um, anyway, and we were dancing. We were like holding hands <laughs> through this whole concert, right? We're sitting, he's had his arms around me. 
and it got to like this song and he stood me up and we slow danced in the aisle and you know people around us were like oh that's so sweet you know we had this whole thing but that was him and I we had this like sneaky little secret that no one knew everyone on the outside thought we were a thing but we knew what we were and they can think what they want we won't correct them but we knew what we were you know and it kind of all came to a boiling point. It was Cinco de Mayo. We were meeting at our friend Katie's house. And we, there was a group of us, a mortuary crew. There is myself, Carson, Will, Katie, and um, and another. And we, uh, we all kind of did everything together, you know. And Carson was like, I'm going to tell them Cinco de Mayo. I'm going to tell them. And Monica the other girl in the group, uh, she was attentively watching, you know, everything go on. And Carson walked in and immediately walked over to me, kissed me, like grabbed my face and kissed me. And then was like, hey, guys, what's going on? Because he and I had spent so much time together. That became our norm. It literally looked like we were in a relationship. And so he called the group together and he was like, hey, I want to announce something to you guys. And so everybody kind of came over and they were like, what's going on, guys? And he announced, like, hey, I'm dating this guy. And everyone instantly turned to me like, what? And we all gathered around him. He talked. He explained his heart. We hugged him. We kissed him. And he left. And immediately when he left, I felt this weight crash, just like of this thing that I didn't know that I was carrying of like a year of secrecy. I was carrying this like secret thing that I didn't know was so heavy until it was like released. And I remember um, Katie and Monica coming over to me and saying like, we thought you guys were going to announce finally that you were a couple. We had no idea. And I started to cry, which was surprising to me. And I was like, I've been holding this in for a year. And I realized the weight of it. For, I mean, I went to family functions with him. <laughs> he went to family functions with me. We went to like in Chicago, like these fundraisers for like Catholic schools and things like that are a big deal. And they usually go to businesses and they'll buy whole tables and they'll, you know, to raise funds. And a lot of funeral homes will be involved because it's a good way to stay connected to the community and that's that sort of stuff. He and I went to functions like that all of the time together. And I realized I was living, I was doing life with him in a very intimate way. And he was doing life with me. And when that secret was finally like taken off my shoulders, I got to just realize um, the difference in love of like I was still holding him at this type of love, this type of affection that was not the healthiest for me. You know, I shouldn't have been doing that. I didn't know how else to love him, though. And um, I had decided at that point uh, I was going to move. I was leaving Illinois and I was moving to Georgia. And I broke the news to him and he was really sad and I was really sad. And we decided a week before I moved I was going to go down and spend the night with him at his apartment. And we were just going to go around town and celebrate just him and I. And he had this whole night planned for me. And we went to all of these fun like bars and restaurants and had like cocktails and did all these things. And at the very end, the very last place we went, I didn't know, but he had collected all of our group of friends and they were waiting surprisingly, surprising me. So and we had this whole night of just celebration and I got to say goodbye to all my friends. 
And he was crying watching me say goodbye to all of our friends. Like that's the type of close relationship we had. And I remember going home with him that night and we put on our pajamas and we crawled in his bed and he hugged me and he was hugging me in bed and he started to, to cry, you know, because I was leaving. And it was to the, it hit me really hard of like, we have had a relationship without having a relationship. We have had this like weird relationship that served us both. But now I was like severing something in it that was stopping this relationship from going on like it should, like it was. And um, I remember laying in bed and hearing him, him cry and thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is, I, I, I it was the gravity of what was happening, of what I was leaving, the relationship that was not going to be the same after I left. And it was something that I had to like really wrestle with. And I remember packing up and, going to Georgia and he and I would talk all the time and we text all the time at first because that's what we did. We leaned on one another for everything. We um, were in close, we were close knit. And eventually I, through separation and through time apart, he got to live more of a life for himself and choose and make his own decisions and go the way that he's gone. And I got to step back and also kind of readjust the expectations Um, that I had for love and for life and for what I expect in someone in relationship with me. Um, And I still love him to this day. He is still, he's still my Carson. One of the things that we used to say to one another is, I wish I could have met you sooner so I could have loved you longer, was our uh, thing that we would say. I would tell him all the time, you are my favorite Carson Gormley in the whole entire world. And it's still true to this day. He's still my favorite Carson in the whole entire world. And one thing that I will say about my buddy Carson is that he taught me how a woman should be treated. I know that that's the craziest thing in the world, but his kindness towards me, he still had this like treat a woman with respect and treat her with kindness because he lo- he had a genuine love for me. He did not let me open a car door. He did not let me walk on like the outside part of the street. He did. He guided me. He was attentive. He would give me his jacket when I was cold. He he was very gentleman, gentlemanly and he uh, set a precedent, whether he knew it or not, for how a woman is supposed to be treated in my mind what I didn't even know I should have been expecting from somebody and he gave it freely to me he gave it without me asking he did it because he loved me and I will say it was um it was a peak peak into what love should should look like on a on a smaller scale he loved me as much as he could love me (laughs) and what what else can you ask of someone you know And because of that, I gained a really good friend, um, someone that I, to this day, know that I could call him tomorrow and we will pick up where we left off. There's no having to like hash out what was said, what was done. Uh, There's no like rusty bits to our friendship of like trying to get back on a bike and learn how to ride again. It literally takes, takes off where it stopped. And you can't ask for a better friendship than that. And I, like I said, I I love Carson to this day. He's still my favorite Carson in the whole world. 
And that was probably my experience with the third person ever that I loved as far as in relationship, a man and a woman. Um, it was a different lesson learned for sure. And it wasn't something that, um, of course, ended the way that I would ever want it to, but I wouldn't change him for the world. I, to this day, love him. I can't say it enough how much I love my friend Carson. And uh, next week, I'm going to be concluding this whole, like, the four loves of my life. Uh, you're going to get to hear about um, a doctor that I met and thought I fell in love with and everything about that and how it ended. And Carson was there for it all. So <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to be posting on Instagram the actual pictures of Carson and I. So if you're interested to put some faces with a story, you'll find us on there. Anyway, until next time, I'll talk to you next week. Have a great day. <laughs>